0: This is a dice of Brussels. What can Theresa May do with Brexit given her present situation? I'm sat here in the piazza of the uh, uh, Santa Maria Novella in Florence, uh, which is uh, where uh, Theresa May gave her speech a few weeks ago, which was supposed to move uh, the Article 50 process on. Um, I'm passing through for a conference uh, and since I was here I thought I'd take the opportunity to check it out see if I could work out quite why she had come to this city to make that speech it it remains a mystery uh, to be frank people on Twitter noting that this was the church that contains the first instance of perspective and perhaps she was thinking about vanishing points perhaps something to do with uh, fading city-states that uh, used to be uh, leaders in their field and in the world and then have just uh, crumbled away. Me, I'm noticing the ambulance station just outside the church uh, ready to leap to help anyone in distress. To be honest, I think the location is uh, a red herring certainly to read the speech and to listen to the speech you'd have had a passing mention of the Renaissance uh, and some kind of allusion to how the UK was going to have a renaissance of its relationship with the EU, but frankly it was about some optics about getting away from the usual crowd of people, although she seems to take quite a lot of them with her, and showing that she was trying to speak to a European audience rather than a British one. But In that time, since that speech, we really have to ask whether this is a a busted flush for May, that the speech itself made relatively few concessions, uh, most notably on the uh, financial uh, obligations, which we've talked about in previous episodes. But it didn't produce a sea change in negotiations, uh, that the fourth round made some advances, but the fifth round, which has just come to an end, has nothing uh, to show for it. And so as we run into next week's European Council, which is going to be, uh, I think, a, a really important stage in the process, it looks unlikely that the EU is going to say that sufficient progress has been made, and that there will be a move to the phase two issues. All of which raises a question about Theresa May. What can she do? Can she do anything? The problems are very obvious. On the one hand, she lacks political authority at home, that ever since the referendum, uh, not the referendum, Freud and that ever since the general election that she called uh, this spring, Uh, She has lost the the confidence of her party, lost the aura of uh, knowing what she's trying to do in uh, the country. So on that side she's in a very weak position, held up really only by the inability of her party to work out how they can replace her without then incurring another general election which might then lead to their defeat by Labour. At the same time, uh, on the European side, that weakness means that there's a degree of caution about negotiating with somebody who might be out of office very soon. Somebody who might be making commitments that they then can't carry with uh, their party and with their parliament. And, uh, understandably, there's a degree of frustration as well that Theresa May has not been the most reliable of negotiating partners even before uh, this last phase uh, most obviously with that general election being called just weeks after starting article 50. The upshot is that we have something of an impasse in the negotiations that neither side sees a way forward knows how it can uh, get round this structural problem and partly it's an uncertainty about whether the problem is the person Theresa May or the pr- problem is the issues uh, that are under discussion, notably the financial obligations, the citizens' rights, and the question of Northern Ireland. The, the way out of this, I think, remains very unclear. And I think we have to ask a question about whether the European Council next week can produce something that will help move things on. At the moment what it looks like is that there won't be that agreement on sufficient progress that will move uh, to phase two, to opening uh, discussions on transition agreements, which means that that probably won't happen until December at the earliest at the next European Council. At the same time you're seeing some movement uh, from the Commission to try and uh, Help a uh, negotiating partner in needs. Suggestions that uh, the uh, the council might agree to start drafting a mandate for phase two already at this stage, so that the point that a decision is made, they can move immediately to that next phase. But still, you're left with the Theresa May problem, that she. Uh, might not be in post or if she is in post she might not be able to take her cabinets or her back benches uh, along with her down particular paths. Now this is a very fraught uh, area understandably, uh, not least because May herself has not been very clear about what it is she's trying to achieve. Now you can argue that there's uh, an advantage or two in that kind of approach. On the one hand It means that she's not tying herself down to uh, unrealistic uh, objectives in what she's doing, that she's keeping it uh, flexible. But I think more realistically uh, it's also uh, about uh, not uh, needlessly annoying sections of her party, be they softer or harder in what it is that they particularly want to achieve from the process. Now, I think you've seen some indications over uh, the past months that May does have some ideas that she doesn't talk about in any great length. Uh, It's interesting that the discussion this week about whether there was funding available for preparing for a no-deal scenario, which was a discussion or, well, public interaction between her and Philip Hammond, actually, I think, tended towards the Hammond position rather than Uh, what might be a harder uh, Brexit kind of line. That Whilst May said that there would be money and that there was money made available for preparing for a no deal, actually the money is not the priority issue. The the priority issue is spending the money Uh, and that involves lots of procurement activities, beefing up uh, border provisions, uh, security and customs checks, Uh, in case that there is a no deal because those things will be needed. But uh, having a budget line is one thing actually going through that kind of process uh, which would need to be happening now if there's to be any chance of having things ready for March 2019 suggests that actually May is uh, saying one thing and well in this case not doing uh, uh, that thing in practice but this is a game that has a limited shelf life that at some point decisions need to be made, there needs to be some advance on this if there's to be any chance of a negotiation uh, being agreed uh, or a deal being agreed and clearly uh, the discontent in the party has grown over time not helped uh, obviously by that uh, fairly disastrous uh, uh, Speech that she made at the party conference, which, even though it generated a degree of sympathy, uh, sympathy is almost worse than dislike. Uh, that it's opened up a whole new line from uh, members of the party, and we've seen that particularly uh, with the the Grant Shapps-led effort to say, "Well, look, here's somebody who's maybe just needs a bit of a break, and haven't they had a tough time? And look how hard they pushed themselves. Didn't they do well? Why don't you go away?" Now. Uh, that's a a fairly hard uh, line and one which I think we're going to hear more and more of over time that there is uh, not a long list of people who are going to stick their necks out for her. Again the problem remains that even if you can get rid of uh, Theresa May you don't necessarily have an obvious replacement and even if you have an obvious replacement or indeed uh, an unobvious replacement they're going to have the same structural problems that May faces. Those problems obviously include the lack of a structural majority for the Conservatives in Parliament, that they will have to rely on the DUP uh, for the time being are uh, a lack of clear alternative plans for Brexit, which is I think a, a crucial issue that there isn't a coherent position that has been argued that uh, a lot of the critiques of May's work have been simply that, critiques, this is where you've gone wrong rather than uh, reasons developed alternative plans and approaches. So we we find ourselves in this uh, strange limbo where things need to move on, where all the parties say that they want things to move on, and yet there's a very great degree of difficulty in actually making them move on. Now that I think leaves us in a, a delicate position. One thing we might consider is that next week's European Council then acts as a catalyst in all of this. That if the EU 27 take a particularly hard line on uh, what has happened if they frame things in a very negative way, if they don't go for this uh, pre-preparation of the phase two mandate, then uh, it might be that that's the lever with which uh, challenges uh, pry the uh, may out of number 10 that they say look here you are elected on the basis of your brexit plans of brexit means brexit and you can't even do that uh, to any effect so i think the next few months are going to be a really difficult time even if there is no immediate challenge may uh, and her the team that she has around her have to build some kind of momentum if they want to have any chance of uh, getting to a December agreement on moving to phase two which i think is probably critical if there's to be even vaguely enough time to piece together a deal uh, in time for next october because that's when uh, there will need to be an agreement uh, if it's to be ratified by the time that march rolls around so uh, things need to change if you want to get a deal whether they will change and uh, more importantly how they will change I think is very much uh, open to be seen so with all that in mind I watched the ambulance leave with the blue lights flashing going to provide medical assistance to some poor soul in need And on that vaguely elusive note I will leave you ciao